As far as we know, intergalactic life forms have been trying to contact Earth for centuries. We're just unaware of their attempts because we're not listening hard enough. Or rather, we don't know what we're listening for, or if listening is really the word we should be using. Aliens may have senses that go far beyond our five, sight, smell, taste, touch, and sound. They might communicate in ways that the human mind can't even fathom. Which is why searching for messages from space is akin to fishing in the most vast, empty ocean imaginable and hoping the world's rarest fish will take the bait. But according to renowned astrophysicist Stephen Hawking, if humans were to make contact with extraterrestrial intelligent life, it would be the single greatest discovery in history. So despite insurmountable odds, scientists have cast their rods into the universe for decades with little more than a hope and a prayer. But in August 1977, they might have gotten their first bite. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a podcast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. In today's one-part episode, we're covering the WOW signal, an extraordinarily strong signal from outer space received in 1977 by a radio telescope at the Big Ear Radio Observatory in Ohio. And many believe it was sent by aliens. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. In 1959, Cornell physicist Giuseppe Cocconi and Philip Morrison published a paper titled Search for Interstellar Communication. The article discussed messages that may or may not be floating through space in the direction of Earth. Messages sent by intelligent extraterrestrial life. The scientists understood that the likelihood of actually capturing interstellar communications was low, perhaps near impossible. 
But they pled their case for why humans should try anyway. In their own words, If we never search, the chance of success is zero. Now, to avoid a wild intergalactic goose hunt, Kokoni and Morrison set out to determine the method that the aliens would most likely use to contact Earth. They ultimately decided that radio waves would be a practical option. And they even honed in on one frequency in particular, 1420 megahertz. 1420 megahertz is the absorption and emission frequency of hydrogen, the most common element in the universe. You can think of frequencies as paved roads for sound. If any intergalactic communication was going to reach Earth, Kokoni and Morrison believed that it would most likely be on hydrogen's highway. As Kokoni and Morrison broadcast their theories, researchers all around the globe started to tune in. In the late 60s and 70s, one of the best places to eavesdrop on deep space was in America's Midwest, in Delaware, Ohio. The city was home to one of the biggest radio telescopes in the world. Astronomers affectionately referred to it as the Big Ear. Unlike the more familiar optical telescope, which collects visible light, radio telescopes like the Big Ear only collect weak radio waves. And they contain a giant receiver for transmissions, similar to what you'd find in a car's radio. The waves that come in to radio telescopes sound a bit like the fuzzy static you hear when tuning between stations. In August 1977, a man named Jerry Eman was an astronomy professor at Ohio State and a volunteer of the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute, or SETI. Eman was the man responsible for routinely checking the Big Ears computer printouts. One evening, Eamon sat at his kitchen table, reviewing the pages of numbers and letters in front of him from the Big Ear. As he scanned for anomalies, one sequence in particular stood out, 6EQUJ5. The letters actually corresponded to numbers according to their placement in the alphabet. In this case, Q meant 17, U meant 21. But numbers that high indicated that the signal had registered almost 30 times louder than any noise around it, which was unusual to say the least. So unusual that Jerry grabbed a red pen, circled the sequence, and jotted down a succinct summary of his emotions. W-O-W exclamation point, which would later give rise to the transmission's moniker, the WOW signal. The WOW signal had entered the Big Ears receiver around 11.16 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time on August 15, 1977. What made the discovery particularly exciting was that the receiver was tuned to 1420 megahertz. The same frequency that less than two decades earlier, physicists Kokoni and Morrison suggested aliens might use to contact Earth. The signal itself lasted for 72 seconds, and its intensity rose and fell. The timing was significant to Eamon because it represented the length of time that an interstellar object could feasibly stay in the Big Ears' scope, 
due to the rotation of the Earth's axis. In other words, the sound couldn't be earthbound. The big ear hadn't accidentally picked up trees blowing in the wind or a car backfiring in the distance. The intensity and specificity of the signal came from somewhere in the ether. And it seemed intentional, as if the cosmos were shouting, hello. Jerry immediately notified the director of the Ohio State Radio Observatory, John Krause, and his colleague, Bob Dixon. But the three men couldn't pinpoint the signal's origin or what it could be. Slowly, Krause, Dixon, and Eamon began ruling out options. First, they determined that it was unlikely that a planet emitted the signal. Everything with a body or mass discharges some kind of emission. But no known planets were located in the proper coordinates in the sky to have been the cause. And planets don't typically generate narrowband radio emissions, like the WOW signal. Next, they ruled out asteroids and satellites. Their records indicated that none had passed through the Big Ear's beam at the time of the signal. Lastly, they eliminated spacecraft as potential suspects. No aircraft transmitter operated on the 1420 megahertz radio band. It was a protected radio band expressly used for astronomical purposes. Later, SETI was even able to trace the signal to the Sagittarius constellation near a grouping of stars known as Messier 55, about 17,600 light years from Earth. For perspective, that's almost 30 million times farther than the distance between Earth and Pluto. Since 1977, a number of theories have attempted to explain the presence of the WOW signal, but none have achieved unanimous support from the scientific community. In fact, none have ever come close to doing so. Some of the suggestions have been a technical glitch, a hack, an equipment malfunction, and space junk. But as the list of culprits gets shorter and shorter, more and more people have become convinced that the WOW signal was indeed the first sign of intelligent life outside of our planet. Coming up, a media-savvy scientist suggests a possible origin for the WOW signal. Hey, Parcasters! Looking for a more light-hearted listen? Then I've got the perfect podcast for you. The new Spotify original from Parcast called Incredible Feats. Hosted by comedian and podcaster Dan Cummins, Incredible Feats is a daily show spotlighting true accounts of mind-blowing physical strength, mental focus, and bizarre behavior. Join Dan every weekday as he goes behind the scenes and into the achievements of everyone from freedivers and body modifiers to ultramarathoners and moms. Incredible Feats is offbeat entertainment that's sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, and always surprising. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. In 1977, Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope picked up a strong, deliberate signal that gave even seasoned astronomers pause. But who or what sent the transmission remained a mystery for decades. 
then. In 2016, 39 years after the WOW signal's reception, Antonio Paris, an adjunct professor of astrophysics at St. Petersburg College, announced that he may have solved the riddle. Before becoming an astronomer, Paris had worked as an analyst for the U.S. Department of Defense. He told The Guardian that he saw himself as a kind of sky detective. He said, I have this investigative background, so I approach the wow signal as if I'm going back to the crime scene. It's a cold case, so I went to various astronomical databases to find culprits or suspects that were at this crime scene at the time. This time, Paris took note of two suspects. They were comets. Comets 266P Christensen and 335P Gibbs hadn't been discovered until 2006 and 2008, meaning prior scientists had no way of knowing that they traversed the Sagittarius constellation on August 15, 1977, the same day the Big Ear received the wow signal. When a comet shoots through the Milky Way galaxy, ultraviolet light from the sun reacts with its surface, creating huge puffs of hydrogen clouds. And you'll remember that hydrogen emits the same frequency that the wow signal was discovered on. It seemed like the world had finally received an answer. The media buzzed with Paris's theory, reviving once again the wonder of the wow signal. But not everyone was so convinced. Jerry Eman, who originally noticed the signal back in 1977, spoke on behalf of the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute, or SETI. Eman definitively stated, we do not believe the two comets theory can explain the wow signal. Paris set out to prove his theory anyway. He fundraised to build his own radio telescope so that he could record the comets as they passed by in January 2018, when their journey past Earth would resemble the paths they took in 1977. And it worked. With his self-built telescope, Paris studied both comets and recorded that 266P Christensen passed just two degrees north of the WOW signal's origin. Everything seemed to line up. Briefly, the media treated the mystery of the WOW signal as solved. But it was short-lived. Not long after Paris's discovery, Yvette Sendez, a radio astronomer, explained why she remained unconvinced by Paris's theory. Sendez raised significant doubts, specifically regarding Paris's credentials and methods. Apparently, he had used incorrect measurements decibels instead of Jansky's, and omitted key details from his research, which made his experiment impossible to recreate and thus substantiate. Sendez even suggested that Paris's signal was so off-base that it may have been coming from our sun rather than a faraway comet. But the most glaring issue she pointed to was that the WOW signal was only ever recorded once. And Sendez wasn't alone in this conviction. In an interview with Discover magazine, astrophysics professor Chris Lintott pointed out that if the wow signal had been caused by comets, then scientists should be recording similar transmissions more frequently than every 30 years. 
Since Paris's study was publicly funded, Lintot created a list of questions for him to answer in regards to his work and methods. Lintot felt that he and the rest of the world were owed a bit more transparency. As of this recording, Antonio Paris has not responded to the questions. In his old age, WOW Signal pioneer Jerry Eman explained his reasons for disagreeing with Paris's comet theory. He pointed out that the signal appeared in only one out of two of what scientists call the big ears feed horns. You can think of these as two receivers pointing in slightly different directions. If the WOW signal came from a comet, it should have passed through both receivers within about three minutes. But it didn't. The signal only passed through one. It was almost as if it had been sent, then abruptly shut off. And it doesn't take a scientist to know that the phrase shut off implies that something flipped a switch. Eamon proposed a number of alternate theories for what could have created the wow signal, taking into account its sudden disappearance. He theorized that the signal might have originated from a rare astrophysical phenomenon called fast radio bursts, or FRBs. FRBs are still not fully understood by scientists, but they are basically mysterious, irregular radio signals that last for milliseconds at a time. FRBs could explain why the transmission seemed to suddenly stop, Except the WOW signal lasted for 72 seconds, not just a few milliseconds. So the theory has been met with a considerable amount of scrutiny. Eamon also suggested that the WOW signal might have been an emission from Earth that bounced off a small piece of space debris and traveled back towards the Big Ear. But the circumstances of such an event happening are highly unlikely. The space debris would have had to have been traveling at an unusually slow speed for the data to add up. In other words, it's another suspect that essentially has been eliminated. Again, this leaves aliens as one of the few plausible options. Jerry Eamon himself doesn't discount the idea of an extraterrestrial source. Sure, the theory that aliens may have sent the signal has been faced with plausible scrutiny ever since that warm August night in 1977. But it's always remained tantalizingly on the table. In a 1994 letter, director of the Ohio State University Radio Observatory, John Krauss, stated that the signal is highly suggestive of extra-intelligent origin, but little more could be said on the subject without further study. Even recently, in 2017, CNET, Live Science, and Discover Magazine all published articles suggesting that aliens might be the answer. That same year, Seth Shostak, a senior astronomer at SETI, wrote a statement openly declaring that whatever emitted the WOW signal wasn't a comet. Shostak said, it's possible, but unproven, that the WOW signal was the result of aliens sending a short ping. If so, we may someday pick up their transmissions again. It's certainly reasonable to suggest that if intelligent life exists somewhere in the universe, they'd be sending signals into space, intentionally or accidentally. After all, 
Humans have accidentally been sending radio signals into space since the invention of the radio in the mid-1890s. Electromagnetic waves are difficult to control, and echoes of our television, news broadcasts, and conversations have been leaking into space for more than a century. None of them were intended to be sent to distant galaxies, but for all we know, a planet thousands of light years away has heard the famous radio report about the Hindenburg disaster in 1937. Or Martin Luther King Jr. delivering his I Have a Dream speech in 1963. Or John F. Kennedy announcing that America would land on the moon by the end of the 1960s. They might even be trying to decode the lyrics to a Beyonce or Taylor Swift song right now. And those are just a handful of the unintended signals that humans blast off into space. There have been countless signals sent into the ether by scientists and ordinary people alike, all trying to contact aliens. Today, there are even websites that claim to send messages into space for you, for a price, of course. So to try and decipher whether the WOW signal really was an alien species trying to communicate with humans, maybe we should examine the messages that humans send to space. Coming up, we'll look at some clues for how humans could talk to aliens. And now back to the story. In 1977, Ohio State University's Big Ear Telescope received a signal from outer space 30 times stronger than the background sound of space. Immediately, scientists and astronomers searched for the source of the signal. Theories abounded, including comets, space debris, and astrophysical phenomena, but none proved airtight. However, one of the most popular theories has always been, of course, aliens. As recently as spring 2020, astrobiologist Doug Vakoch has worked as a SETI researcher and served as the president of Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence, or METI. It's a nonprofit organization that created and sent messages in search of extraterrestrial civilization. In an interview with German news magazine Die Welt, Vakoch discussed some of his personal interstellar communication methods. Like almost every scientist before him, he'd sent messages to space through radio waves. And while there's not much more we can learn about radio waves themselves, Vakoch believed the key to understanding interstellar communication might be in finding adequate analogies. And believe it or not, history offers some pretty good analogies for future interstellar communication. With interstellar dialogue, hundreds possibly thousands of years can separate the moment a message is sent and the moment it's received. And ancient human texts have traveled similar temporal distances within our own civilization. Interpreting these ancient messages can give clues to how to best understand alien communication. Take, for example, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Originally, they were understood to be the equivalent of modern-day words. Then, at the turn of the 19th century, French scholar Jean-Francois Champalion proved that these symbols stood for sounds. In regards to possible alien messages, 
Vakoc said, we must question our assumptions again and again, knowing that our early interpretations will tell us more about ourselves than about the sender of the message. It's like a cosmic Rorschach test. According to Vakoc, in order to establish an interstellar language, we must first determine what we have in common with our potential conversation partner. A similar line of reasoning was used by physicists Morrison and Kokoni in 1959, when they first hypothesized that aliens might communicate through the frequency of hydrogen. For them, developing the technology necessary to emit messages into space without the knowledge of math or science was inconceivable. But this might not actually be the case. Now, math is known as the universal language on Earth. But as it turns out, it might not be a very useful tool for intergalactic communication. Even if the foundational idea of mathematics, as it's known on Earth, spread throughout the universe, there would likely be enough differences in the representative systems to make them virtually untranslatable to one another. However, humans might have the opportunity to teach an alien species our math by using something truly universal, like rhythm. Rhythm is present everywhere, from the orbits of planets to the emissions of stars. Therefore, proportion can theoretically be experienced by any intelligent life form. Basically, something like Morse code is ready-made for alien messaging. This is the essence of Vakoch's theories. But they're so expansive that they may actually have applications on Earth in seriously unexpected ways. Ways that include communicating with beings we might not intuitively think of as extraterrestrial. Like, for example, whales. Whales offer a useful starting point to push scientists beyond the human concept of communication. Indigenous human cultures on Earth have claimed to speak with whales for years, theoretically, by understanding their music and rhythms. It might sound strange, but that's probably because you understand that whales and humans communicate very differently. We primarily orient ourselves in time and space through sight and sound. These senses allow us to locate objects spatially and temporally. But consider a gorilla that knows sign language. We're more likely to accept that fact at face value simply because we communicate in similar ways to gorillas. Still, there are all kinds of methods of communication here on Earth, from bats using sonar to moles using scent. If humans were to rely more heavily on other senses, such as smell, our understanding of space and time might be entirely different. And according to Vakoch, effective communicating with alien life begins with questioning our understanding of time and space. And if humans really can communicate with a species as dissimilar to us as whales, then the sky's the limit for what else can be possible. Archaeologist Matthew Betts, who studied Paleo-Eskimo cultures in the Canadian Arctic, told Smithsonian Magazine, If you start looking at the relationship between humans and animals from the perspective that indigenous people themselves may have had, it reveals a rich new universe. 
a universe that could actually provide clues to the stars. Which is all to say that in order to understand whether the wow signal was sent by aliens, our empathy, our ability to put ourselves in someone or something else's shoes, needs to extend beyond humanity. But what happens when we can communicate with aliens? As a civilization, Vakoch believes that we should consider what we want to share with aliens, and that it's advisable to come to an agreement before contact is made. Of course, not all scientists agree on the image humanity should present to the universe. Some have suggested sending images of mushroom clouds to illustrate that humanity is capable of destroying itself. Others believe that this type of messaging could be misconstrued as threatening and might provoke warfare we aren't prepared for. As Stephen Hawking once said, such advanced aliens would perhaps become nomads, looking to conquer and colonize whatever planets they could reach. Who knows what the limits would be? Hawking later added, meeting an advanced civilization could be like Native Americans encountering Columbus. That didn't turn out so well. Intergalactic communication holds a firm grip over our collective imagination. We have seen it portrayed in Hollywood blockbusters like E.T., Contact, and The Arrival. But popular culture is also rife with alien encounters filled with chaos, fiery explosions, and fleeing masses. As UFOs descend on our planet, skies darken with storm clouds and the music swells dramatically. And yet, we don't actually know how people might react, but scientists have tried to guess. According to a study presented at the American Association for the Advancement of Science by Professor Michael Varnum, humans would most likely be able to handle evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence as long as aliens don't plan to invade. Varnum added, Of course, I would predict that if a hostile armada showed up near Jupiter, we wouldn't be happy. Varnum's study tested human reactions to the potential of aliens by presenting them with news headlines, real and fake. One 1996 headline spoke about microbial fossils found on Mars. Another touched on the discovery of habitable Earth-sized planets. And naturally, one was about the wow signal from 1977. The study evaluated the words subjects used to describe their emotions after reading the headlines. They distinguished their feelings by using words like happy or nice. Negative words included worried or annoyed. No matter the topic, the reaction was always overwhelmingly positive. So while we can't say for sure whether or not the wow signal was sent by intelligent life forms in space, we can say that humans on Earth are open to the idea of breaching contact. And as we've learned, an open mind is an excellent place to start. As for the wow signal, the mystery is still open-ended, and scientists are still working to find answers. The signal could be an integral piece to a much, much larger puzzle that could come together at any second. On the 35th anniversary of the WOW Signal's transmission, National Geographic and the Arecibo Observatory beamed a response in the direction of the signal's origin. 
toward the Sagittarius constellation. Contained within the beam were over 10,000 Twitter messages and celebrity videos, including a message from comedian Stephen Colbert, making the case for why humans shouldn't be eaten. Scientists tried their best to make the message able to be decoded by intelligent life. A representative from National Geographic stated, Each message will have a repeating sequence header attached, letting the recipient know that the messages are intentional and from another intelligent life form. Additionally, the transmitter used yields a signal roughly 20 times stronger than that of the most powerful commercial radio transmitter in earthly existence. The signal was sent on August 15, 2012. As of this recording, no reply has been received. But that could be because it's expected to arrive in the Messier 55 star grouping in the year 19,622. We'll just have to wait to find out. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the WOW signal, amongst the many sources we used, we found Jerry Eamon's 30th anniversary report on the WOW signal extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Sophie Strohmeyer, with writing assistance by Allie Wicker, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Listeners, you don't want to miss Incredible Feats, the all-new Spotify original from Parcast. Host Dan Cummins free-falls straight into the weirdest, wildest achievements of all time. New episodes air every weekday. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.